don't waste this precious time. Welcome everyone to the Footcons May June spectacular. It might be May. It might be June. no. Just kidding. It is twelve forty-five. It's uh, time It's States. May. The May Wednesday, cusp. May thirty-first. The May yeah, cusp a, spectacular. The May cusp spectacular. And so, um, as I was just pointing out to someone, that it's not over till the fat lady sends the wire. And it is not over until the fat lady signs the bill into law. And there are right now at least 12 uh, angry Republican Congress people who are like, under no circumstances, why I vote for this bill. And then Kevin, of course, negotiated that weird thing where if one member objects to him, he like has to step down as Speaker of the House. So I think I think until the, the bill passes, it doesn't really exist, and I think the chances are more likely to default. If you can name – keep in mind there are 435 members of the House of Representatives. It's also got to go through the Senate, and it's got to get done by June 5th. And, uh, you know, people who know sort of think it's going to be – the final version will be voted on this weekend. What is the market going to do till then? I have no idea. I would not want to be long going in the weekend. I'm not sure you can really trade this, although if you sat and said, ooh, I'm afraid of the debt ceiling in January of this year, or even earlier, I mean, you've missed out on a 40% sort of NASDAQ return. And I think the reason why the NASDAQ in particular has been rallying is it's no longer the NASDAQ. It's just like, oh, Google will be around. Um, the last thing we're going to do is talk about artificial intelligence. I think there's way more money to be made in shorting real stupidity than getting long artificial intelligence. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> I just I just want to make jokes about, yeah, for the next 35 minutes, we're just going to talk about artificial intelligence. I mean, I feel like um, from what I from what I see, you know, people are just talking about the debt ceiling, the banks and AI and I don't know, it all it all seems it all seems quite boring. Um I yeah, it's been I mean we haven't recorded because it's been hard to like say anything genuine, right? Like the uh the markets aren't moving, which is uh <laughs> the key factor, right? I mean I think we sort of um go first and foremost off of price right and so when like the price has just sort of been like grinding sideways maybe slightly down i mean arguably you could say for the last couple of months slightly upwards um but you know there's just th- these these sort of boring narratives that are um uh talked about way too much um but yeah i i, I do think what's interesting in this moment right is this fact that uh the the debt ceiling decision has now gone into right it's 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 the house right i mean you know more about politics uh than i do this is the uh the congress the u.s congress that now has to make a decision am i right or am i wrong about this yeah and so uh basically they're negotiating with the white house but they're really negotiating with themselves because um the whole uh question of whether or not Biden would sort of veto whatever they passed. And they came demanding some pretty crazy stuff. Um, and people seem to know, like, let me, this is hilarious. So in a poll taken, a high quality poll I saw recently, there were 60 something percent of people who wanted uh, the raising of the debt ceiling to be tied to cuts in fiscal spending. When you actually tell them what's going to be cut, they don't want any of it cut. And then there are people who just want to pay it regardless. But a full 15% of the American population 
wants to willfully default on money we've already spent. That is insane. <laughs> that is crazy. Is and so if you take yeah, that, those, just, just those take are the Bitcoin. Pic- like think about the think about that for a second. Yes, probably if Bitcoin maxis, if this does in fact boost Bitcoin, if there is a default and Bitcoin is the one to benefit, then that's one thing. But the thing is, is that you know we do live in a representative democracy. So if fifteen percent of the general public believes that we should willfully default on the debt, then by implication, fifteen percent of Congress is going to believe that. And right now, there are there are um, yeah, I uh, right now there are. Um, right now there are, uh, you know, 12 Republicans who, who, um, uh, uh, who, who say that they will not vote for it under any circumstances, which means you need 12 Democrats to, to start the, uh, to start the, uh, to cross over and, I think, you know, I can see a couple of them. Spamberger, who's in a traditional Republican district in Virginia. Slotkin, who's in Michigan. Uh, I can see those two definitely being there. It's arguable whether or not Joe Biden, who has been a legislator for over 40 years, love him or hate him. Um, he was the one who fixed the last death ceiling fight in 2011, fiscal cliff. He's been around Washington for forever. So, uh, uh one could argue that he would not have announced the deal unless he knew he had the votes in the house, but the progressive caucus as of last night, hadn't even made up their mind as to whether or not they're going to vote. So it's going to be really hard to see the Democrats sort of far left wing, um, Jamal Bowman, Corey Bush, AOC, but I mean, Nancy Mace who represents the first district of South Carolina, which is a very moderate district just below country is, was represented by a Democrat as recently as a couple of years ago. Uh, Nancy Mace is a moderate Republican and she's voting against it. So I don't, I don't, I don't really understand where he's going to get the votes from. And so I, I just think this market, like if you want to talk about a summer of doldrums and wreckage and whatever, um, we're setting we're setting up pretty nicely for one, and I don't think that you're going to get rewarded if we do reach a compromise. In other words, the market rallies on a wall of worry. The people who've made the most money uh, stared the debt ceiling down in the face, and they're selling right now. You don't want to go risk on into this last part, buy the rumor, sell the fact. And so, if we really did have a, de- a default on a, on a payment, if it's a technical default, like you know, it's an hour away or something like that, you know, everything will return to normal, but I don't think the market's going to rally if this thing passes. It's just like, it's like, it's probably going to go down would be my thing. Cause it's like, once you remove that wall of worry, what does it go to next? And one of the things we said on this podcast at the very beginning of the year towards uh, was that there's going to be a rally in tech because everybody said that the back half of this year was going to be good, but the first half was going to suck. So if the back half is going to be good, what do you want to do? You want to be buying stocks before it gets good. That's the whole idea. So, you know, we talked about that at the very beginning of the year, and that's become true, although the market breadth has been really, really sort of low. And uh, anyway, that's my take from where I'm sitting. I'm not excited about um, what happens sort of in Q3, Q4. 
um, AI has caught the attention. The reason why AI is important is not because it's AI or whatever. It's because for the first time in a long time, the markets, quote unquote, in general, have something that they can point to that speaks to growth. And that is the first time that we've had the world's most anticipated recession. We talked about early in Q1 on this podcast how earnings may not matter. Turns out they don't. And um, that the market direction is up if it's going up by it. Um, so that, yeah, that's, I mean, uh, my, that's my, my take. My only real, my only real comment since we are, you know, I think this is the fourth, no, third or fourth time we said AI. By the way, my... Um, uh yeah oh uh, well i don't know where or that was maybe too much of a, a giveaway of something i was about to say but basically some personal thing that happened in my life um went to a thing and it, are a, you coming out of the ai closet it just turned out you're actually yeah well i'm just saying like a robot. I, went, I went to i went i went to something and the the ai chat gpt got mentioned like four times in a row and i was really surprised and so now here we are i think that was like now the fifth time we said it um yeah you know uh it's it's to me it feels crypto-ish in the sense that it presents a um it presents a hard to measure opportunity where like you know people go oh this could be a a thousand x a ten thousand x uh you know you know like it's it's really hard to actually go and and come up with a valuation for it and um you can come up with all kinds of numbers and um so yeah like i i I think in that sense like people get a little bit excited about it and it's the first time literally since everyone has just been focused on the fed Fed. hiking interest rates yeah 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 there's something else to do that's why i'm saying it's the first positive i've heard about in like four years three three years it's the first sort of positive and people cling on to hope that's what drives markets is hope and fear and so if you can just run around saying oh look ai's been around for a whole hell of a lot of time what do you think fucking siri is in siri you say like i'm gonna go get Pointing out to people uh, in personal conversations, it's like, yeah, you know, remember when the photos, you know, you could start like searching for dogs in your phone photos or whatever. And yeah, yeah, it's it's like it's not it's not quite new. What's interesting about the chat GPT thing is it it sort of um, it sort of blew the mind of a lot of scientists that were studying the problem where they thought. Oh, that's not quite possible. And so, you know, should Nvidia become the number one stock, uh, you know, in the S and P five hundred? Probably not, because there's all kinds of risks that are associated with it that have like nothing to do with AI. Um, but yeah, I don't know. People, you know, people just like don't know what to to invest in, right? And so that it's like the the best thing they've come up with, and so now they're just like piling money into it. I'm, uh, you know, we we sort of talked about this uh, when Bitcoin, and, and actually Bitcoin has um, this still in its chart, like a big gap at like twenty thousand dollars. But you know, Nvidia just made like the biggest gap that's like ever existed in like a chart or whatever. Uh, um, and it, you know, the, I, I've heard a lot of people that are like running around trying to say, oh, that gap's going to fill, uh, in 2023. And, you know, the one thing I would be, uh, hesitant on is just like betting on, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I wouldn't like run out to try and, and short Invenia like tomorrow or whatever. Uh, it just, I would. yeah, you, you, you're going to do it. Are you going to do it? 
Yeah, I, I would. I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with it in the sense that I, I just think like you short it, you short it like in November or something like. Well, that. There, there's a couple of incredible metrics that came out on Nvidia. I mean, first it hit one trillion market cap, like TTP, and has gone down nine percent, you know, since, and that was just since over a twenty-four hour period. And something that uh, we saw in the news as well today was that it or AI had, you know, overreached the amount of searches that Bitcoin and crypto got in its heyday um, and and pricing it through NVIDIA, maybe. But that stock just hit a four sigma deviation from the 50 day moving average, which is like a hundred year event statistically. So it's a lot, it's a lot of hype. It's, it's getting pretty high. My attitude is stay away from 100-year events, and they sound yeah. Juicy. You just like sort of ignore it, right? Yeah, and and maybe that application has something in another part of the market. You can extrapolate something about it. You know, copper prices are going down. The health of the economy, global economy, is probably not that great. Oil's in the toilet, which means that people believe that we're headed into a recession, um, and so. You know, maybe you can use that to extrapolate things. My big question is the big the 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 lingering question is is why isn't Bitcoin at a million dollars? I really don't understand. I actually did. Think yeah, that gonna, yeah, I, th- yeah. I thought that was going to happen. Actually, I actually uh, I just didn't want to tell anybody because I, mean, I would sound like a lunatic. Right. But yeah, I actually thought um, there was a real good chance we would get. You know, let's let's say like forty k, and then like there was some pressure or something. I mean, um, you know, to be honest, like let's think about what happened in 2022. We had like the Luna blow up. I mean, basically like all of the heroes of crypto died. Um, and uh, that's when you want to be long. Yeah. Yeah. But but, so making it back to 30 K by now is like, you know, it's, it's still an achievement, but I I agree with you. Like there was sort of, um, I mean, I keep putting it on the chart every single time um, I post anything about Bitcoin in the newsletter is that this in, you know, this SVB bank failure. um, So I don't know. I mean, you, you uh, Wasabi and I talked about this, actually, this, this should be a good chance for you. Like, what are you, what are you still thinking about? Like for September bank failures? Like, cause, cause that, that to me would be the thing where if, yeah. if there's some big, there's some big bank failures in September, then yeah. Okay. We could see Bitcoin actually like break the all time high and go to hundred K or something like that. Or go down. I still can't. That's why it's bought. That's why Bitcoin's annoying me so much. I haven't really been trading it because, <laughs> yeah. because it yeah. has not like revealed its true self. I mean, I think that people are still hanging their hat on adoption that you're going to go to McDonald's and pay for McDonald's with your Bitcoin, which I don't know anyone who goes to McDonald's in the first place, but assuming just using that as an example, so the adoption freaks can step off. I mean, again, I, I go back to my thesis that lower adoption actually equals higher price, but because um, it's a precious commodity of limited value, right? And um, uh, the, what was the question? Sorry. <laughs> I mean, basically, the idea is that you had you had come into the Discord and talked about how you know a friend of yours had said that um, yes okay so you, we, we could see some big bank failures in, in oh, september yeah. and you had said there's a reason march and september and one of the key points on the the bitcoin chart is actually in march where it b- bounced off the 200 day moving average in a very like aggressive way and that coincided with a bank failure which is um you know uh, for all those people that like 
uh, don't believe in technical analysis. For me, it's just it's one of those points of um, hmm. It's very interesting that there was that 200-day moving average bounce on the uh, literally uh, w- you know the week that the bank the SVB. And and to the extent that those are related, I'm not I, you know that's that's the mystery of Bitcoin to me and and why why it's, it's sort of used as a gauge in the past of risk on, but I'm kind of a little bit confused by it right now because. It felt like if we if the if you told me the Nasdaq was up forty percent and Bitcoin didn't reach an all time high, I that's strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nasdaq at the price it's at right now with Bitcoin at thirty k makes me feel weird for sure. <laughs> yeah, and it just it just goes, you know, hey, look, I mean, maybe the next three years of Bitcoin trading is trading it from twenty to thirty k. I have no idea, but I'm just saying, I, I thought I would have thought it would, would have had a, a more of a more of a, a bull run and as for the gap um i don't know if you can uh i mean people will they'll apply gaps to this but somebody's traded 24 7 i'm not sure and those gaps statistically that are bigger than something like six percent they tend to hold um they don't tend to get filled so Okay, well, okay, so tell the the bank failure in September. Let's, yeah, let's... yeah, so there's a season. I don't fully understand the reason for this, and I'm one of those people who are like, I have certain experts in my life, like you're my crypto expert, uh, Billy is my, you know, um, global macro expert, and I I, uh, I have certain experts in my life. That Wasabi is my Crocs expert, and um, Hashair, <laughs> Hashair is my emoji uh, expert. And, um, so I have these experts in my life or whatever, and I don't feel a need to know the why or the how. So a buddy of mine who's been in commercial banking for over 20 years, I mean, he banks at a high level at one of these regional banks. They took a write down and in, in their, their, the valuation of the bank, which I don't know how that's determined. I don't really care. They took a write down in a $1.5 billion bank after the SVB bankruptcy of 167, $176 million was vaporized. And so, um, bank is still operating. And he says it feels like 1930 more than it feels like 2008. And I was like, oh my God, because this guy doesn't typically exaggerate. And, um, I think the Fed's uh, policy goals are, are going to be achieved by credit. And, um, you know, you've now got 36% of adult up from 21 this time, like year over year or something. You got 36 of credit card holders, 36% of credit card holders have more debt than, than, um, than save, you know, savings. And so, uh, that's, that's a alarming sort of thing. And, um, I just think, you know, this whole idea of yet we have a resilient job market and this could be this weird feature of, of, you know, people who make lots of money trading, see something new. They don't, they don't repeat some necessarily something, an older thing. And which is, is we could have a sort of malaise, like we could have a malaise among tech workers, but we've got, you know, a lot of super white hot labor market. And that labor market could persist for forever. And um, forever by forever, I mean like another couple of years. Or it could just drop off a cliff. But um, and then you got the real estate market. All I can tell you is like a city like Tulsa, Oklahoma, my God, that entire town, all the office spaces just vacant. 
And so all these commercial bankers, because I know a lot of them, I've, I've, I've tried to syndicate some of them. Just they buy a bunch of LBO debt, and so we issue LBO debt through like you know PNC Finance or something like that, and then they take it and carve it up and sell it to these little regional banks. So I literally had a regional bank say no, and then come and buy the, some of the debt at a higher price on a leveraged buyout that I did. So. Um, these guys are always convinced commercial real estate, the value always goes up or it holds its value. And they're, it's, it's sort of like a, a, a revisiting 2008 in the re- residential side where people were like, no, you know, residential mortgages have never defaulted in this particular manner in terms of geography, in terms of size, and all this other kind of stuff. And, and usually it goes residential starts the, the, the real estate cycle, it goes down. Followed by commercial, it goes down. Followed by industrial, it's the last to go down. This time, if we get commercial, a real big whoomp in commercial, that's enough to bring real estate and industrial down. So, you know, that's your that's your wall of worry is the refinancing of all this uh, office space and the the exposure of regional banks to office space. Yeah. Well. Okay. So that's my. Uh, <laughs> I, I recently took a trip to Costa Rica to visit some friends and, uh, iguanas. you know, every, every, everything. Yeah. There's tons of iguanas there, but, um, you know, I just noticed like everybody's doing well. Everybody's having a good time. I mean, it's a beautiful place. Uh, I think probably just like, you know, historically undervalued, right. Just cause like it ended up being where it is. Um, but yeah, I could see, you know, if, uh, if commercial real estate in let's say these, you know, higher price countries does poorly, um, I could see people trying to like find some place to put their money and, you know, uh, like, Oh, well, you know, the beaches in Costa Rica are nice. I'll buy some real estate there. And then, uh, the local, you know, the local workers do well and it flows back into the economy and that sort of thing. So I've just been trying to think about, okay, yeah, maybe yeah, these, see, uh, see about American countries do here, well. Here's uh, what my pushback on that is, is that once yeah. you blow, sort of blow your wide in commercial real estate, you can't get it back. In other words, you, you, you've developed a building or whatever, you're looking to sell it or sell units on it or something like that, um, or you're looking to buy commercial office property or property any kind and sell it at a higher price down the road and until you sell it which no one's selling anything this is this is this is sort of what the so you're just know, saying it's more like a global it's like a global push in blackjack it's because right, nobody right. nobody can afford to buy a house so they can't afford to sell their house well so that's why i suggested that what you do is you okay so i was like okay let's find the let's find a large export importer in you know central america and then short the dollar against that right because then you're you're hedged in some way that like if everything goes to shit the dollar just like but but i mean there could be a situation where the dollar like rallies in that in that no i I think i i tend to think that's probably the case i mean it just yeah. No, no matter what happens, no matter even if it's a U.S. debt default, I'm not sure that people want to own anything more than physical dollars. Just dollars. Yeah. Right. Which you'd think it'd be the other way around. And our best performing trade, like of the year, is the euro. And so it's a fun, fun thing to trade because it's very, 
big round numberish. You know, it sort of went from parity to 1.1, back down to 1.5, back to 1.1, back down to 1.7. You know, it's it's got a pretty. But it seems like the uh, the sort of general consensus is that people <laughs> people want to own the AI. <laughs> they do want to own AI. I got I got to like, oh, the world. They're like the US is going to default on its debt, and the AI will take over. Uh, right. That's easy. Done. Wrap it up. Yeah, no, <laughs> but it, it, I'm telling you, the reason why AI is important, though, is because it's the first piece, literally in three years, of growth and or positivity. There was a recovery period following the COVID sell-off where people were like, oh, we're not all dead. Okay, so I'll buy the market. And then there was an excessive period where people bought the dips way too much. And then there was an excessive period of venture capital, IPS, SPACs, bullshit. And all that's been sort of cut out of the market which I'm hoping that means we can get it back to an actual auction market. In other words, market forces. If this bank fails, then it fucking fails. Banks fail all the time. Like the number of banks that failed in, in the year 1900 was like 560. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a relatively only recent phenomenon that we haven't had enormous numbers of bank failures. They're terrible, terrible, terrible vehicles for risk. They're terrible. Think about it this way. You get a half billion dollar loan, the bank gets five million dollars a year in income. Wow. But if if the collateral supporting that five hundred million dollar loan becomes worth two hundred and fifty million dollars, the bank gets just I mean, it loses way more than it'll ever make. So uh banking has always been uh, a fake sort of a fake stability mechanism that depends mainly on trust. And once that trust goes then it's sort of all over. And you look at what these people are paying for deposits. They're paying like six or six percent. You can't make any money on that. They're, they're, they're going to be net interest income losses and all this other kind of stuff. I don't have the patience. It's not my kind of trade where, you know, you go around and you try to apply for 18 different cards at banks and, you know, you go through their trash and you read their balance sheets and you call up the, the CEOs and ask them to defend their position and, and all this. But if I, I, I'm not optimistic about it, and it's going to be really sad if that happens because we are the only country in the world that has community and regional banks and they have been the, the, the real, and you know, and greater than 50% of people work for a company that employs less than 50 people. And these are the, the growth engines for those companies. And the, thing well, the, one, the, way, the one bullish thing indicator for, for banks, I guess, is just the interest rates. Right, I mean, rising interest rates should be more. But they're profitable. paying six percent for deposits. So if they're paying six percent to get the money to loan it out, banks get deposits, grab them, then loan them out to other people at a higher interest rate. They literally take the money out of your bank account and they lend it to someone else. And so if they're already paying you six percent to get your capital, what do they have to charge to make money? The answer is like seven or eight percent. But we've got this huge shadow private debt system. Where you go to a MES lender, you get a, um, some of these senior lenders that are more geared towards private equity deals, but one out of seven people in the United States works for private equity. So it's not necessarily a good size market. So what, what's um, your trading vehicle for, for, uh, shorting, shorting banks? Are you going to go individual or XRE? No, like I, like I said, I, I don't, we don't, we don't have the infrastructure required in order to drill down on one particular trade involving stocks and, you know, I've been saying now for like two years in this podcast, I can't, I still can't figure it out whether we're just at the beginning of 
our, our roaring twenties or we, we had the roaring twenties and they're over. And, um, it feels like we're, we're at the beginning more and more than, than it does that we're at some, you know, the billionaire space race marked a very important top in the market, but I can sort of think you haven't seen nothing yet. I mean, the largest stimulus in the history of mankind and, um, uh, you got deglobalization, which is highly inflationary. Inflationary does mean growth. It means you're making more money, but things cost more. And so, uh, I don't know. My thesis at the beginning of the year was people would buy stocks in the first half because they said that the second half was going to be good. That happened. Lagan. Yeah, that happened. But that the, the actual second half would be bad. And so that, you know, I was contrarian why wouldn't my contrarian call in the beginning of the year work in the back half of the year, which is people get exhausted with this kind of stuff. AI does not prove to be the bandage, or maybe you get an outperformance, the NASDAQ 100 and the rest of the stuff that's left behind. I mean, the Russell 2000 is down 2% today. Every single economic bull cycle, Russell 2000 typically leads the way. And so if it's lagging the NASDAQ 100, you have to recognize that and be like, something new is happening here. It's either sustainable and I want to be a part of it, or it's not sustainable and I want to go the other way. I think it's going to mean to revert. And so well, and everyone's seen that all time high discrepancy between the Russell and the NASDAQ, you know, just past that 2000.com bubble. Um, the the, the caution I would add there about the sort of stock almanac stuff. And this is the first time this has happened. This is the first time this has happened. This is the first time this has happened. Is that literally? You sound like an ESPN podcast. And you're like, this is the first time a triple double has been made at home while raining. Right, and in the in the investment consequence of that is that 2022. Every single day, I got a push notification from the Financial Times saying stocks post their their biggest one day loss in ever or. You know, we've never had a period where we've gotten down to the 50% Fibonacci retracement and then came back and made a new high. Well, we just broke that, that rule. And so a lot of these stock almanac things, I'm not sure apply. I do know that ev- everyone seems to be fighting the Fed, which is weird. And um, I think they have the absolute intent to stay higher for longer when the Fed is not going to lower interest. This is one of the weirdest things. They just went through a big inflationary cycle as a result of zero interest rate barring. You think they're going to do that again? You think they're going to cut down to zero and, and reinflate? I mean, oil, oil will be trading at $160 a barrel. So the dollar. Right. My so guess would weak. be that they put in as, as much effort as they can to not. Exactly. They're going to keep yeah. the interest yeah. rates at 5% to the end of the year. Then, and and it's going to make the FOMC or uh, what, what the, the thing I've heard now the the new rhetoric is they're going to skip instead of pause. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I mean, what the fuck that means. I do. It do you means, think they're going to go up and down twenty five basis points, just alternating? That would be yeah. strange. Some sort no of no one. I'm just telling you, no one will like, ever fuck you. Yeah, middle I've done a lot of market, you know LBO modeling. I've done a lot of deals. I've done a lot of trading, and no one has ever changed their behavior based on twenty five basis points of fucking anything. So the point is not whether or not they raise another twenty five or lower by twenty five or whatever. 
the point is, 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 is the economy in such bad shape? They have to lower it down to like, like a stimulative. Do they have to go straight from QT into QE again? And if they do, the big one. And you're thinking it would be a credit problem. Yeah, I think I think the banks are basically going to do the Fed's work for them, and they told you that last appearance, which is you can't get a loan for shit. Go go try to get a loan, and um, credit credit standards have tightened so much. I saw you know that 39 car dealerships shut down because allies stopped financing their car, car loans. I tested this out a little bit myself. I get you know any corporate credit card I want, and I got denied on a Hyatt credit card i mean what that's never happened to me before um so credit card standards are tightening and these everybody keeps saying you know the banks are in good shape they're different shape this time because the consumer is healthy and they've got a bunch of auto loan debt and a bunch of credit card debt instead of housing debt And i'm like how is that a good thing well, yeah, consumer credit debt is at an all-time high, and I mean, everyone's credit cards based. Yeah, on- that, I mean, that's a that's a weird part about um, it's like, oh yeah, they're making all this money off of <laughs> credit <laughs> credit card debt. It's like, okay, well, how long can that last, right? <laughs> right, maybe so, a long time, maybe a yeah. Well, may, yeah, of time. course, maybe longer than than you think, right? Or maybe longer than you. I mean, we've uh, been in an anticipated recession now for over a year and a half. Well, what kind of credit card debt would make you scream uncle? Like, make you scream uncle to the point of, I'm throwing up my house. I'm already I'm already there. Yeah. I'm already there. It's just, I think the lesson from 0809 is we were already there in 06. And it took, it took, there, everyone is incentivized to keep everything in place. People are incentivized to keep this whole work from home thing going on. People are incentivized to keep the prices of their house. Just to give you a statistic, if for every $100,000 a house quote-unquote appreciates, which is not real money, it's just fake money, uh, people spend an additional $10,000 a year. For every $100,000 their stock portfolio goes up, they spend two. So everyone's main asset is their house, and until housing breaks, you're not, you can't get a decisive break. I haven't seen anyone selling anything to, to like pay for. That's that. A, that, that's the weirdest part to me is the interest rates are so high and the housing market has been so resilient. I, I think it really is a question of it's too expensive, not, it's too, I can't afford to move. I, even if I want to move, I can't afford to move because I can't afford the new house. Yeah, most Even yeah, most people I talk to about it personally tell me that where they're just like, well, what would be, you know, I would sell my house and then what, right? I would just buy another house at the same price somewhere else. Yeah, but we right. literally get indicators of new home sales. New home sales have been beating expectations just continuously. So it's not like yeah, prices are just Home builders are at an all-time any- high, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean you shouldn't short them. Well, you had a great I, cyclical take in that commercial building. But isn't right, this uh, empty because of the COVID thing? And then real estate is going to move into those commercial buildings, get repurposed. And then your work from home is actually just working in your old office that you now live in. Yeah, no, look, I was I stayed in a hotel uh, in Oklahoma that was an old municipal office building. So it had been and things get repurposed and all that. But I'm just saying. I'm just saying I'm disappointed by the performance of Bitcoin. I think it invites skepticism. And I just don't know on the day of a debt default whether Bitcoin would be trading at $2,000 or 200 
it, but it's not it's not or if it just yeah. stays around like well, how, how yeah it feels um i mean morning. to me though um having participated strongly in the 2016 to 2020 20 markets or so it feels really similar in the sense that everyone has sort of abandoned it gotten away and the fact that it is trading at the price that it's at is actually you know bullish in the sense of like you know you should take a little bit of something and put it into it because um one day you know people might get interested in again um because it's just it's just not going anywhere that's that's the biggest thing about it and um i don't know it's one of those things where it's just like hanging around waiting for people to use it a little bit more and every time people get interested in it um you know <laughs> you have you have a sam bankman freed and then you have a um uh what's the guy jack maulers i think that's the guy's name who like you know actually tried to um build something on top of the token instead of using it you know for just leverage to to rip people we're in real Um, to me we're in real trouble as to the bitcoin what is it debate if you do have a technical default on the u.s debt and it doesn't do anything or it doesn't go up. Uh, if it's uh, yeah. To be a de- I mean, if the, U- if the US value, defaulted on its debt and Bitcoin didn't go to a hundred thousand dollars overnight, I would be, I would, I would immediately sell every single, like I would just exit crypto. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to have but a the, real the, 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 So then the weird part about that though, is that then, um, you know, crypto has this sort of argument that it's a, um, you know, sort of hedge against anything that the U.S. does, right? So um, if the U.S. resolve, like, you know, if the the U.S. goes and um, increases the debt ceiling in the way they just described, like Bitcoin should go up 10% or something. If it defaults, it should go up 100%. That's sort of like the... Ironically, the, I think the reason why around it. the why Bitcoin, the reason why Bitcoin is not two hundred thousand is there's no sellers. Um, yeah, that's interesting. What do you mean? It's not a healthy market. That's been my big gripe about crypto from the start. You, you need people on both sides of the trade in order for things to actually go higher. You need people to sell stuff, and people are just hold, 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 or buy. They're either that's it. For them, you know, well, what has volume been like compared to when it was at sixty thousand? No do idea. You know, do you know how? Um, I I know the yeah the volume has been completely diminished. I mean the vo- the volatility as well. Like it's uh it's it's in a you know four year squeeze or whatever. Basically, like no one no one no one is participating, and and you know that's one thing that's kind of funny to me is all these people talk about um you know, uh, the hodlers and like everyone taking supply off exchanges and, and that sort of thing. And it's like, well, the the price is set at the margin. And so, if, you know, what, what is the what is the motivation of a market maker in the Bitcoin markets, right? Like, I mean, you have the you have the miners who who do have some, you know, desire to sell at a consistent rate. But um, it the, the, the buy side is the hard part, right? Um, I mean, if if you do have a legitimate exit from, you know, and worry about default and, you know, inflation and whatever, then yeah, then you do have like a buy side and you have a, a, a sell side. So there, there should be some, 
some consistent market. But yeah, I, I think like clearly it's like super inefficient at the moment. And and all all the people that were really providing liquidity um, just got like fucked over by um, SBF and Doquan and 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 all those guys, right? Like which you know that a lot of that money disappeared by. Um, going from us dollar to bitcoin to shitcoin right which is uh, like kind of why a lot of the the quote-unquote bitcoiners like hate these altcoins because they basically end up just sort of like robbing the industry well that marks uh this can be kind of a short podcast we want to get it out before the vote and just to say this is the net conclusion on my part one it's not over until they vote and pass a bill and don't don't treat it like it is and uh, I just got tons of newsletter stuff from various you know, financial newsletters, political newsletters, celebrating a political compromise. And until it passes, it doesn't exist. So don't yeah, trade, yeah. It. And don't, I, don't trade I wanna, it like it does. I want to be very clear. Yesterday I put in the subtitle that there was a, you know, oh, bill passed or whatever. You know, it was supposed to be sarcasm. I know sarcasm doesn't come across well in text. And then I actually uh, addressed it in the uh, in the subtext, you know, further down in the newsletter. So uh, please don't just assume that we were calling it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I just... I. I think I think a little bit of exposure to Bitcoin right now is good because if we do get a default, still I can't I can't fifteen percent of Americans want to willfully default on the debt. That means fifteen percent of Congress does. Again, I can name the twelve Republicans who said they're going to vote under this under no circumstances, nothing. There's nothing that can be done, and so he's got to find twelve Democrats, and I think I can find two. And so where the other where, who are these name name the other ten and I'll believe you. That's it. I think we should name the podcast that. All right. Um good chat. Thanks, All right, Al. See you guys.